0: Today, I sit down with Mike Medford, Sr. of Medford Design Build Remodel. Mike and I go way back, and it was fun to have this conversation. Mike is the founder and co-owner over at Medford Design Build Remodel. He has over 40 years of experience in the remodeling industry and as a NARI certified remodeler. He strives to build and mold a team of professionals to ensure the highest level of customer service to his clients and keep the team moving forward, all while making sure to have fun along the way. Now for the conversation with Mike Medford. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Spencer. It's good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you too. Yeah, it's, it's been a little bit. I feel like probably the last time we we connected was maybe at the last summit or something like that. So, yeah, uh, I think last September. Yeah. Well, I guess for everybody listening, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us who you are, company, where you're located, all that good stuff.
1: Okay. I am Mike Medford Sr. I am co owner of Medford Remodeling with my son Mike Jr. We started this company in April of 2007. So we're going to be celebrating 15 years in April. We are in Arlington, Texas. Arlington is a suburb of Fort Worth, Texas, and home of the Cowgirls. And that's, we have our main office in Arlington, and we also have a satellite office in Colleyville which is northern Tarrant County. And it's an affluent area that we have a lot of clients up there. So we put a satellite office up there for their
0: convenience. Right on. Very cool. Yeah. And so you said you're coming up on 15 years. Then did, did you start the company and kind of what, so what prompted that? I
1: got into the remodeling business or the home construction business in 1977. So it's, it's a bit of a path. I actually, between high getting out of high school and going to college, I was supposed to, I got a summer job working on a, a concrete crew. It was a production crew that did concrete work for a track home housing. Mm-hmm. And and I just fell in love with it. You know, it was a small crew and there was a lot going on in that subdivision. And I, you know, just would bug all the tradespeople, and just, just fell in love with it and uh, decided not to go to college and just kept working. And I did that for a couple of years. And then the following winter, and this was going on in, in Indiana. I was raised in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. The following winter was a really bad winter. you you do to do concrete work in the winter. And I got a job framing backyard storage buildings. And that was kind of a new niche back then. You know, most people's storage buildings were bolt-together jobs from Sears. And uh, this guy up there developed this shed that you build is very similar to the ones you see. And I started doing that and fell in love with doing doing that. And in the meantime, I had bought a house and was fixing it up and learning about remodeling and ran some ads and built some garages and room additions. And then uh, in 1982, I just, I've always wanted to move to Texas just for whatever reason, but the, we were having a bad recession up there and that's when everybody was moving to Texas. So uh, we sold our home and came to Arlington and started a backyard storage building business. And it did very well through the 80s. And then we had the the banking crisis and and I sunk it completely. Lost everything, house, everything. But Um, I was, and that's a whole story in itself, maybe for another time. But I was was over leveraged and, uh, you know, paper millionaire one day. But when the bank officers or the IRS guys that shut down the bank Came into my office. <laughs> it was a zero air? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so then we got we got back on our feet, and uh, through the '90s, and then the big box companies, you know, started getting into the into the chef business, and it, we could really feel it. And we all and I, we always did remodeling, and mostly it was you know building garages, room additions, and things like that. And so I saw, and I was tired of the storage building business. And so I joined NARI and got my certified remodeler certification, and and started focusing on remodeling. And then in 2003, I had the opportunity to go to work for Tough Shed. Tough Shed was Home Depot's supplier of sheds, and they were opening up across the United States, and. So I did a lot of things for them regionally, and uh, I opened up Florida for them. But the really cool thing I got to do with them is when I was in the shed business, I had developed a line of garages and shell cabins, and these cabins where if somebody had a piece of property, we could build a shell cabin, get them dried in, and they could finish it out themselves. Well, Home Depot wanted to get into that business, and so I got tapped to lead the tough shed side to develop that program for um, Home Depot and got to go to their headquarters and work with those guys. Man, I've met some of the smartest, brightest people that I've ever met in my life and and really, really learned about uh, process. And, you know, because we, here we are going to have this product they're gonna offer and everybody down the stream, 1200 steps down to the register has to know what's going on all over the United States. And so so that was a that was a huge lesson. So I did that for four years, got tired of corporate life, and my son had kept the remodeling business going. And so then we decided to to join forces and our agreement was he ran production. I did the business side. And I wanted I took what I learned in those experiences to apply to to build a professional corporation. And you know that was our our goal and Fortunately, been able
0: to pull it off. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah, some of those steps leading up to starting, I guess, up again or back up again in in 07 really paid off and served you well. I'm I'm curious when you guys made that move in 07 to say, okay, we're going to run with this. How did that look at the the early innings? Was it just you two or did you guys have a, a team or a staff? And then what kinds of projects were you guys focused on?
1: You know, we were mostly on did outside kind of projects. Michael had two guys that were working for him, and uh, those two guys are still with us. They're running a production, and so, and then it was me. So we just officed in in this building. I'm sitting in that's in my backyard, and and I ran the production or uh, all the all the sales and then and did all the business side. And you know, my son was challenged with, you know, you. Know, do a fantastic job, keep the clients happy and and not keep me out of the field because I don't like the field work. And so and he's done that. So we, you know, the first three years we ran about a half a million dollars. And it was, you know, it was backyard storage buildings, garages, a couple of room additions. And and then I and I started working on, you know, I had this thing, it's like, well, there's a million bathrooms in our in our market and did the math. And it's like, okay, there's 800 new modeling jobs for bathrooms. We need to get into that. So we started focusing on uh, bathrooms and kitchens, you know, that, that was during the recession too. So that was pretty tough. And then in about, I was it 2010, I have my very good friend now, Stephanie, who was interior designer and she'd been around working for a high end design firm. And, i was subcontracting the the design work to her and and man that was that was a great lesson and it just it really took us up a notch in the quality of our projects and she finally came to work full time for us and is working for for us full time now and is the leader of the of the design team you know from there we grew to a, a million and a half and it was mostly jobs getting bigger that we were growing and then we started we went through that stage where we were you know, growing into a million and a half up, you know, around 2016 and the gross profit was dropping and, you know, we were, we were in a different league. And so that's when we hired Courtney and Courtney is, is a fantastic lady. I mean, we were just, we were just lucky that we got her. I mean, she's a home builder's daughter. She's got a degree from OU in human resources. She's got her certification in interior design. She started her own design business, sunk it in the recession, and then worked in the financial field. And then it started her own bookkeeping company, and I got her on Craigslist looking for a bookkeeper. Oh, wow. <laughs> but finally, you know, quickly realized how sharp she was. And I, you know, I just challenged her. I said, it's your job to get our gross profit from here to here and get all processes processes lined out. And she did it, you know, and, and today she is CEO of the company. So.
0: Super yeah. cool. Yeah, I love that. I feel like a lot of people, I mean, they've got so much potential inside them and sometimes they just need encouragement or they need to be put in the right spot or a combination of those couple of things. And so, yeah, yeah. that's that's super cool.
1: Yeah, I, when I look for, for key players, I look for people who've got a bit of an entrepreneurial uh spirit i'd love for them to have a side gig you know and then and you know smart you know what they say that you want them to be smart hungry and humble you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then just give them give them a place to to grow and we've been real fortunate my marketing gal ally she's been with us eight years and you know that's that's what i'm most proud of about our company is the longevity of the employees that you know, we, we count in decades. In fact, I've got, I mean, I've got grandkids on subcontract crews that I started with in the eighties that are, you know, like our roofer or our dry water. And that's, you know, that longevity is, uh, you know, speaks volumes to, you know, the success of our company. I think.
0: Yeah. and And I'm curious, as you think about like the people that are on your staff, you know, that have been with you for a long time, why do you think that is? Is it a combination of a few things? Is it something that you've kind of done intentionally or
1: yeah it's it's intentional in our in our vision uh, we are a, an employee centric company and uh, we're committed to growth and, and you know all the top line values. We have a very generous profit sharing that we we do through bonuses and we you know, we have everybody take the disc test and, you know, we talk about understanding how to get along and and all those kind of things. So we just create an environment where people want to come to work and, you know, there's no, we work 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday and that's it, you know, and, you know, it gets a little hairy once in a while and there might be a night or two we have to stay up to get something done, but, you know, our work, Life balance is is very, very important to us, and, and we apply that.
0: That's super cool. As you think about, like, 07 to now, what do you think were, like, one or two of the most, like, pivotable moments? Like, yeah, gosh, that one feels like Monday. <laughs> but, yeah, like, pivot points, I guess, where you, like, I find that sometimes when you reflect back, you can see those moments more clearly where you're like, wow, that was actually a bigger decision than I thought at the time or a bigger turning point than I thought at the time. Any anything like that standing out to you? Yeah,
1: um well, absolutely. You know, the the one in the late 80s, you know, I got smacked in the face. And oh seven, it was it was weird because I chose to leave the the Tough Shed job and and when we started it hit. So it wasn't like we went backwards. We just we just had trouble getting getting traction. In fact, I told my son, I said, "You know, this is going to be a good thing because this will make us, you know, be more efficient and humble. And you know, when when things get better, you know, we'll we'll be careful not to get ourselves back in trouble." The pivot point is emotion. The thing that we do have in place, and I would highly recommend anybody do, is a scale down budget because when it falls off the cliff and we we've had 15 years of growth and there's probably a ton of people that have never seen a down a downturn and when it use when it hits it smacks you in the face and so like in the 80s when i did that you know i had too many a bunch of family members working for me had like you know 40 employees and a lot of good people and we were doing well and I held on to them too long, you know, mm. and ended up, you know, making a lot of bad decisions trying to keep the boat afloat when, when it had a big hole in it that I had no control over. And so, you know, I ended up getting in tax trouble and, you know, the, little, did all the, all the, the wrong things. And so what I'm saying is, is everybody should probably has a budget, you know, and a forecast or five years of growth. Well, you need to think about how you've grown and how you can dismantle that as quickly as possible and Mm. build a budget out that scales down so that, you know, if it falls to here, we got to do this, this, and this, it's, you know, it's not emotional it's excited. But getting the emotion out of that pivot point is, is critical. And it's a lot easier to do now than when the time comes.
0: Yeah. I, um, I like that a lot. That makes a lot of sense. Almost like, hey, this is what the budget looks like if we grow 20% this year, but this is what the budget could look like if we get cut in half, you know, all of a sudden.
1: I mean there's no could could. I mean that's this is what it is because you have to cut quick and early.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: because your mind's going to be telling you, "Oh, it'll pick back it'll pick back up." But, you know, in the it's when it's obvious it's not going to, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And I mean, I, I fall into one of those buckets, probably that you know, like I got out of college in 09. So really didn't, you know, I was coming out of that recessionary time when things were tough, but I wasn't doing something before gone through it, you know, so and, and to your point, there's probably a lot of people out there that haven't felt that so good to be good to be prepared. book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes. If you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to Blueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. In a similar vein, just thinking about like business ownership, obviously you have like, you can have pretty high highs and pretty low lows depending on what's going on in the economic environment or just, you know, the challenges of running your own business. What do you think has been one of the more challenging parts of just being a business owner, a business leader, that sort of thing?
1: Well, I would say managing stress you know, I think it's the, yeah, One of the most important things is 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 managing the stress, and then building the business in a manner where it doesn't you know keep you up at night. And that's that's the most important thing because running a remodeling business is a very very complex game. And if you're growing and you're green, you know there can be a lot of sleepless nights. And I've done it, you know. But I'm all about a peaceful mind. And you know the other thing I learned in the corporate world is that. Monday through Friday was work. And and that was the first time I'd ever been in an environment where my, I mean, Friday afternoon, I was done. And I'd hear from anybody until Monday morning. And I always got my troops going, so they knew what to do Monday morning. So I didn't really hear anybody from anybody till Monday afternoon. And and I liked that. And I was like, there's no reason we can't build that within our organization. And uh, so we have in our, presentation packet we tell people you know we work eight to five Monday through Friday and we're available by phone or text you know from seven to six and you know just building those boundaries to keep the stress away is very important
0: yeah yeah I think I I think that's a great tip is there anything else that you feel like has been helpful from uh you know minimizing stress levels besides like setting those hour boundaries other things that have helped you kind of reduce that so you're not staying up at night thinking about everything
1: well you know the the hardest lesson I've learned over the these last well the 40 years but I you know I've only figured it out I've been in the business yeah for four years 45 years and I've only figured it out in the last six years it's just that you got you have to make enough money to make the machine run the machine runs smoothly. So you can hire the right people and take the right jobs and and you're not, you know, not worrying about the money. You know, from I always I always thought 30% gross profit, trying to get 10% net profit was the ideal model, and it's not. It's 40% gross, 20%. And if you can if you can achieve close to that. Then you can afford to hire the right people and and do the right things to to make a stress free a stressless environment because you know stresses are always about people and money you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so so if you've got enough money in the bank to hire the people and and accept jobs from people who won't stress you out then you're just in a better place but that's that's the biggest lesson I've learned. And, and I, I've been in it 45 years. I only figured it out five years ago. <laughs>
0: hey, better late than never. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, if you solve the, you can solve the money problem, which then can pay for solving a lot of other problems. Yeah. And, uh,
1: because in, You know, and the only thing that keeps people from doing it and myself including is it's, it's just, you're just, it's your mindset, it's completely your mindset and because you know an extra 10 percent if you're delivering a, an excellent client experience is no big deal you know if the customer you know customers are always we're always you know just dumbfounded at how much some of the stuff we do cost, you know but if they're going to do it they're going to do it, and whether it's 10% more, doesn't matter, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, not, it's not like you're pushing it over an edge, but um, anyway, it's, it's, it's no, that's... and the other thing too, you need to do should have already done is have six months of overhead in savings.
0: Yes, yeah. totally
1: it. agree. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't have that done in this environment, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, it sounds like you're you're alluding to something. Why do you why do you say that? Like just because we're so so busy right now, there's demand yeah. out the wazoo. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it. Uh, there's more opportunity. I mean, I've never seen it like this. You know, and but again, remodeling is hard, and and the wave and the pressure of the amount of business is you know creates problems you know that we've we've never seen and so you've, you've got to control the beast and make as much money out of it as you can you know while, while you're doing
0: it. yep no i i agree with you all right a quick pivot here you got any fun wacky client stories or uh weird projects or wild projects you can think of
1: here's a, a story this was back in the 80s or must have been the late 80s Nah, early 90s. Okay, it doesn't matter. But anyway, I got this client we're going to build a two-story, one of our two-story cabins for that he was going to put in. He was an antique furniture collector. And he had told me that he owned a string of car washes. The deal was, is the day we showed up with the lumber and started building, he was going to give me half down. And so... He said, okay, you know, Jimmy's going to meet you there and he'll have your money. I said, okay. So I drove out there and pick it up because I need to get it to get the bank to cover payroll. And so Jimmy comes in with this garbage, this uh, grocery sack and sets Uh-oh. up the table. And he says, he's going to pay the whole thing. And there was this grocery sack with over $16,000 of ones, fives, tens, and a few twenties. <laughs> there were no hundreds. <laughs> And this was car wash money It was dirty <laughs> and i was like oh no and i just i just went to the bank and I, I put it on the counter and this was right after all the bank fiasco and they freaked out and the, the bank president took me in the office and they we talked for a minute and they would only take through i gave them three they would only take three thousand dollars and they said that <laughs> no more cash deposits for 30 days and so so i had this bag of money that i had to run around and you know cover paychecks with and it was uh, <laughs> oh and then the bank calls back because a couple of the bills were a counterfeit <laughs> so, oh geez. but anyway you know a big bag of money sounds great sometimes unless it's not a convenient time
0: yeah oh man isn't that funny how like the bank won't even take current the currency that we- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah to put it in your account <laughs> that that always uh, raises some some flags in my mind. so <laughs> right that's pretty funny though, yeah, it's like why why couldn't this guy just take it down to the bank and cash it? but uh, yeah, anyway, that's that's pretty good. Well, what's the the future of your business look like as you guys are looking out three or five years?
1: Well, the biggest thing we've got going is is we've got our succession plan going and this year. We we started it then I guess three years ago in nineteen when I when I turned sixty and I was like you know time's going fast and so we laid out a ten year succession plan to get me out by the time I was seventy. The last two years, are you know Michael and Courtney took over the management of the our design build firm in our small projects division two years ago. And, and I I've had two two knee replacements and, you know, they've been doing a great job. So I just, I didn't, you know, go back into operations at all. And so this year I relinquished the president CEO CEO title. He's worked with me since he was just knee high to a grasshopper. And uh, he's done a fabulous job building our production team. And he's got some really good leadership skills. And, and then Courtney, she's you know, the CEO and a uh, principal owner now, and will take over my ownership duties through the next few years. And so I just mentored them, and and we've moved the date up. And I'm going to get up when I'm 67. That's uh, in three years and ten months. So
0: <laughs> not like you're counting or anything, right? <laughs>
1: no, yeah, and it's it's not bad. Except like I, I just uh, don't. It's, it's good to be in a position where I'm just working on the business, looking at numbers and mentoring them. And, you know, we're going through a, a pretty good growth spurt right now, like a lot of people are. And so we're ma- managing that. And, you know, with all the headwinds in the world and, and all this, you know, momentum going forward, it just seems like there's going to be some sort of crash. But so we're trying to stay efficient. You just make the most of what we have today and thank, be thankful for it and keep our heads down, just do the right thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's all you can do, right? Control what you can control. And yeah. So I'm kind of curious. Yeah, what do you think the industry should expect over the next 12 to 36 months? You know, or anything that you think uh we should be looking out for or any positive trends or, or new things that you're seeing?
1: Well, I think that we're gonna get into a a regionally based economy, you know, like where where we are, you know, our populations forecasted to double in the next 15 years, which is Mm. insane. And so you know there's there's and and our housing inventory is just at a prime remodeling spot. So you know I think we're we're in great shape. But as interest rates rise and and as interest rates rise and housing costs level off or or maybe drop, the remodeling is going to slow down because those those are the two things that that kind of fuel it, you know, I just think we got to be aware of what's going on in the world and an abrupt stop to things is, is not impossible. So, you know, I can't think of a lot of positive things to say, right? You know, I mean, it's been so good. It's just, I, I, I always operate on the yin-yang theory. You know, if, if something really good's going on, there's a seed evil there that we got to watch out for. And But then when things are going bad, I'm looking for the good things to go for. And I just think that right now we got to, you know, tighten our ships, work as efficiently as possible and build a war chest of cash if you can and, and have a plan if things do slow down and stop. And, you know, if, if I'm wrong, then it just, that's awesome. You know, yeah, you got a plan, but if, if it doesn't work out that way, then good for us.
0: Yeah, I uh, resonate with that kind of approach and mindset a lot, because you you, sometimes you hear about people that are all offense or like, don't have a plan B, you know, it's like, if you have a plan B, you're not really committed to plan A. And I I just disagree with that. I mean, yeah, like have your, your backup plan, your worst case scenario, your what ifs, and then you, you keep charging forward, but you know, like, Hey, I've, I've got a defensive moat here that will protect me at least to a certain level, you know? So, Hey, I'm not going to go back to zero. I might fall a little, but I'll be able to get back up and start charging because if you don't do that, like, yeah, things crash, you survive, you're in a good spot, things aren't pretty, but then when things pick up, then you're positioned to really accelerate out of it. So, yeah, I agree with you there.
1: Yeah, the the, the strong survive and thrive in those kinds of situations. Yeah. Like, what was the stat during 07-08? Like, 70% of the remodeling businesses went out of business, you know? And it's because they're one man bands, you know, don't have the marketing capability to to draw things like that. So, yeah, this this is a really good time to take your eyes off the top line and focus on the bottom line. Yeah, well said, well
0: said. So look for growth there. Yep, it's all about what you keep, not what you're <laughs> what you're charging. Uh, <laughs> well, I feel like that that was already great advice. But I always like to close out with just if you could leave other remodelers, anyone listening, with with some piece of advice or words of wisdom, what would you want to leave people with?
1: Our business is a relationship business and it starts with you and your team and put your team first, you know, and then if you have a team that's uh, looking out for each other and and working from a loving capacity, then there's some synergy there that uh, you can take to your clients that it can make you different than than other people. And and then you can build lifelong relationships, you know, it's just when you have clients that have been around for 34 years, employees like that, it's just, you know, those are those are real rewards in life.
0: Yeah, well said, well said. Well, um, Mike, thanks for spending some time with me. I always enjoy chatting with you, so I'm glad I oh, yeah. got, got to do it.
1: Yeah, well, we'll see you later in the year, I bet. All right, thanks, Mike. All right, Spencer, take care, bye.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.